we're doing this morning is we are going to be looking at the book of Ephesians. We're going to be continuing there. So if you want to get your Bibles, you can uh, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, and then we're going to read through verse 23. And so uh, I'm just going to give a little bit of a review. Got your outlines there too. Got your outlines right here. I'm going to do a little bit of review, and then we're going to jump into Ephesians here. So if you weren't here last week, you could hear the message Uh, All of the messages are online for free, forever. You can catch up there. Just a brief little review here. We talked about spiritual blessings last week here. We talked about spiritual blessings being in Christ, and uh, we punched those out. We said, hey, they're not spiritual, they're not uh, material blessings. And why aren't they material blessings? Because they don't last, right? You know, so uh, a lot of you, you know, you brought brought your phones this morning, you know, and you think, man, I got my phone here, but you know what? By the time you get out of here, your phone's going to be outdated and you need to take it to the Genius Bar and get like the new cool battery or whatever, you know? So anyway, but uh, it'll be obsolete. But the, the blessings that we have, they're not material or earthly blessings, but they are, they are spiritual blessings here. And we talked about those blessings, that you're blessed to be chosen and you're blessed to be adopted by God and you're blessed to with his grace and you're blessed with forgiveness. You're blessed with wisdom and understanding and inheritance there in the Holy Spirit. So today's message is entitled, it's entitled A Prayer Worth Praying. And really what it is, it's Paul's Prayer List, okay? And so if you want to, just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the scripture. Why do we read the scripture? But the Bible says, like, to read the scripture publicly. It says, Paul said, look, focus on reading it. Focus on reading the scripture to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. So that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. We're going to read it. We're going to explain it. We're going to apply it. We come back next week and do the same thing. So that's what we do on Sunday morning. So if you're able, if you could please stand to your feet. We're going to read this together. We're going to fill this house of God with the word of God. I'll read a verse and then you will read after that. Okay, so it says Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Good, you may be seated. And Father, We pray this morning, and thank you, Lord, that we've been able to come together to sing and to experience you and to be in community and to hear the truth of the songs and to sing together. And we just want to say there's no one like you. There's no one that could write a story like Robert's story there, and you come to to rewrite our stories. And Father, I pray that you would speak through what was spoken, and the Holy Spirit would open our eyes and 
um, enlighten the scriptures to us, that they would come alive to us and transform us. And so, Father, we pray that we'd be able to drink from the, the living water of your word and that would nourish us and, and quench our, our, our thirst for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. What we're going to do here is we're going to look, we're going to pull out of this passage here, the three parts of the prayer that you really need to pray. So the title of the message is, A Prayer Worth Praying. Well, why is it worth praying? Why is this prayer worth praying here? Well, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Is that the best life, your best life, and the best version of you is found on the other side of praying this prayer. Your best life and the best version of you, it will be found on the other side of praying this prayer. This is a prayer, I guarantee you, it will transform your life if you would pray this prayer. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to tease out three aspects, three highlights of this prayer. So first about Paul and a little, little bit about the context of where he was here. So Paul went from freedom to imprisonment. Paul here is an amazing man here. He's immensely educated, immensely brilliant, highly honored, highly decorated religious leader here who now is broke and he's single and he's hated and he's in prison. And here's a guy that's on his knees with a broken body. Here's a guy that's in a jail cell pouring out his heart in prayer to, the, to God. And so Paul's life is really hard, really, really hard here. So he's hated and he's opposed and he's physically been beaten and he's assaulted and he's shipwrecked and he's sitting in jail and a guy on his knees with a broken body and we get to listen to him pray here. Who's a guy who spent years walking with God. Countless hours invested in scripture here. He's a guy that hears from God that wrote over half the Bible, 13 books of the Bible. And he has this undeniable depth of, of relationship and understanding of God. A man who's, who, who's cried buckets of tears. A man who has suffered. And countless times he's seen God come through with his faithfulness here. And what we get to do this morning is we get to like enter into his, his jail cell there. His little six by six or eight by eight little cell that he was in there. And we get to listen to him pray. And I don't know if you've listened to certain people pray that there's certain people that you hear them prayer and you feel like, you know, you're in God's presence hearing them pray there. And so we're going to gain great insight into what we should be praying about here. And so the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says in verse 15 here, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God, all God's people everywhere, I just can't stop thanking God for you. And I pray for you constantly. Hey, what a place to be in. What a great place for a church to be in here where their faith is strong. And watch this. Their faith is strong. It's impacting their relationships there. And their faith is strong, but, it, but it's affecting their relationships such that there's this massive kind of love, you know, and relationship that's going on there at the church at Ephesus here. Paul says, hey, you, 
I'm giving you a shout out. In prison here, I've been hearing about you. So it says, look, I want to affirm you. I want to applaud you. I appreciate you. I'm commending you there. And so what an encouraging word. He says, I've heard about your huge faith. I've heard about, you know, the massive love that you have for one another there. And so Paul is like saying, this is a remarkable church here. This is a remarkable people here. I wonder if there's anyone that you're thankful for. I wonder if there's anyone that comes to your mind that you just constantly, you know, you just want to thank God for them and for what, what they've done and, and what they mean to you. And so I would love, I would love so much for people to come here. And people would come here and they would experience, like Robert talked about his experience when he came here, that people were, were real. I would love when people would come here from the community that they would experience like a real sense of love among us and, and a sense of like these people really, these, these are people of faith here, like they experience here at Ephesus. But I want to point this out. I want to point this out because oftentimes when you pray for people, why do you pray for them? Because they're struggling, like their marriage is in trouble, or they're out of work, or their kids are going off on them, or, you know, they got cancer. And so then you pray for them because they're not doing well. But I just wanted to point out that Paul prayed for them when they were doing great. He says, I hear how great you're doing, and I'm just constantly praying for you because you're doing so well. Just a reminder to us that perhaps, perhaps we wouldn't like downshift into not praying or taking them off of our prayer list just because you're doing well. Paul says, I'm going to pray for you because you are doing great because our tendency is to let up and kind of let off the gas there and praying for people. And Paul says, I'm perpetually crying out to God for you and thanking God for you. So here's his prayer. He says this in verse 17, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you may grow in your knowledge of God. Think about it. All the things he could pray for, this is the top thing that he prays for. This is the priority of all the options for prayer. He writes to the church and prays that they would know God. And check this out. These aren't newbies. These are people that have been walking with God and experienced God for years and years. So that the church that had people that had been around church for a long time, he says, hey, I'm praying that you would know God. Well, we thought we knew God. No, you're just skimming the surface. You need Church of Ephesus to know God more. And I think this is important for us to hear because sometimes we can get in church world in America, especially, we can get rather heady, you know, in, uh, in church and what we think about God there. So Paul says to them, you need to experience God more. You need to, you need to know him well and know him deeply and pursue him for a lifetime. Knowing God is like a sense of a well that has no bottom and you can never get to the end of it, the depths of God there. And so he's saying, look, the word for knowledge is this. It's not more about knowing more facts about God and more just information about God. When he says no, epigenosos in the original language, it means to experience him. It means to be deeply relational. It means not an abstract theoretical knowing, but a deeply intimate, personal knowing God. 
That's what he's talking about. He says, you need to know God. He's praying for them because they needed to know God. And so think of your best friend that you have. Think of that person, how you know them, and you know them well. You know them intimately. That's what he's talking about here, that you would know God intimately like you know a friend there. A deeper understanding of who God is and what God has done for you. So he's talking about praying for the church that they would have a real, life-giving, dynamic relationship with God their maker. So he's trying to get them to recognize this. It, it's not because in that culture, it was all about intellectualism and knowing things intellectually. He says, no, that's not how you're to know God. You, you need to, yes, we need to know about him, but we also need to know him. And so he said to them, look, when it comes to knowing God, it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the understanding and, a, and an unveiling or a revelation of God. So his prayer is this. His prayer for the Ephesian church is that they would come to a deeper understanding of God by a special work of the Holy Spirit. You can't get there apart from the Holy Spirit to know God. So in your notes there, it's worth it to pray a prayer to know God more intimately. It's worth it to pray to know God more intimately, more fully, to know him better. This is the greatest thing that we can do in this life is to know him more. So Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast in his might, and let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him that boast boast in this, that he knows and he understands me. That, let that be the boast of your life that you know and you understand God. Continuing there in, on verse 18, it says, I pray that your hearts or uh, the seed of your understanding will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he's given to those he called his holy people who are rich in his glorious inheritance. So he's saying that your, that your hearts would be literally flooded with light. In other words, that your hearts would be able to uh, have, be illuminated, would be able to make Christ known to you, the hope of your calling. The light would be given to you, that this would be revealed to you. And this only happens by the Holy Spirit working in your life. So y'all have phones there, and you can't see this week. I'm coming home, and it's pitch black outside and raining. And I'm trying to get the key in there, you know, and I can't get it in the door. And I'm getting a little frustrated, you know. So I pull out my, my phone like we do there. We pull out our phone. And so I do the, you know, the light there. If I can get the light to go on, I do the light so then I can see. And it's lighting my way so I can open the door. And what Paul is saying here is like, look, you need light to open the door to understand who God is. And the light comes from the Holy Spirit. And so in your notes there, it says, pray to have your spiritual understanding deepened. Your spiritual understanding deepened or enlightened or brightened there. So you don't know God simply through your IQ or academically there. You know about him that way. Really knowing him is this way. And so I have to tell you this in my experience. Here is my life and here is my experience. You know, I spent 
I, I do this, and I, I give talks like this. I've been doing this for a, for a while. And so my world is very much preparing these talks. So I spend lots and lots of time for, for decades preparing to do this. So you know what? Like, so I know some stuff about God. But let me tell you this. But really in terms of knowing him, that's where I just feel like God is just making himself just real to me. And usually when that happens, I'm just undone. It just, uh, it just, it, it's, it's just awesome beyond the words to describe to when you, you feel like God is, is making himself real and, and known to you. And that's what Paul is, is talking about here. So he says that your spiritual eyes might be turned on. He says, I just told you. I just told you what God has done for you. He says, I just told you about the spiritual blessings. And now what God wants to do is he wants to help you understand that and really deeply uh, apply that in your heart there. That yes, you're blessed. Unless you're chosen. Yes, you're forgiven and adopted. And you're God's inheritance. And yes, you have the Holy Spirit. Now I want to help you understand that at a whole nother level there. So he says, Paul saying, look, I want you to understand the hope and your assurance here and your calling and everything that God has done for you and what he's done in you and what he wants to do through you. But for that to happen, the light has to go on because you can never grasp that with your intellect alone here. Verse 19 says, for all who believe this is, I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. He's saying this. I want you to understand that God's power is incomprehensible. It's beyond anything that you can understand. There is no power like God's power here. It is so incredible. It's so uncomparable. There is no power that can eliminate sin, that can eliminate guilt, that can write, help you, your name be uh, written in the Lamb's book of life, that can overcome sin and death. There's no power like that power. So he's saying here, look, the power that has seen Jesus risen from the dead and that power is in you. Like God is in you. Isn't that cool that to think that God is in you? The same power that raised him from the dead. And it's so important because you can never live the Christian life in your own power. You have to have God's power. It takes another power, uh, an other world power to help you live this, this life, to release forgiveness to someone that's done you wrong, to someone that you would naturally want to hate them, and to, to let that go. That, that takes God's power there. So Paul is saying, look, I'm praying that you would experience Jesus more, but you also need to experience more of his power by the Holy Spirit to live this life that you've been called to live. And friends, this is the only way that we can live the Christian life here. So it is worth it in your notes there to pray to experience Jesus' power in us and through us. Now, the word power there comes from some Greek words there, dunamis and dynamo that mean this. That's where we get our word, you know, dynamite from. But means this, you know, dunamis is like, it's, a, it's the ability, watch, watch. It's the ability that God gives you, the ability to accomplish things and his power that you can no, never otherwise accomplish. And then dynamo, okay, it's this active, ongoing, continuous power 
power that never stops. Never, how many people feel like you run out of power? You run out of gas sometimes. This is a power here that never stops. It is, it's day by day, moment by moment. And so saying God's power, he's praying. Again, this is the church praying that God's power that you'd recognize, it's available to you. So in your notes there, pray to experience more of Jesus' power. Pray to experience more of Jesus' power. In verse 21, now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. His power is beyond our comprehension. It's beyond anything. He is ruling and reigning and he's enthroned and, and he's in charge. And so above all spirits, above all angels, above all demons, everybody and everything over all nations and all peoples and all times and all places. He's above all that. In verse 22, Jesus is in control. He says, and God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. The church being the ecclesia or the called ones or the called out ones for God's purpose. That's who you are. It's not the church building, but the church you, the called out ones. Do you see yourself that way, that you are called out, called out from emptiness, called out to fulfill and to live God's purpose? And so Jesus then is over everything. And finally, verse 23 And the church is not a building, but his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills, watch, who fills all things everywhere with himself. He fills all things everywhere with himself. That tells me this, that He's closer to you than you think. You are not alone. See, God is omnipresent there. God is everywhere at the same time. He is high above all things. He is near and he is here right now. That's what God is like. That's what God is like. So we stand in awe of this great God. So let's pray. And Father, uh, we do stand in, in awe of you, a God so loving and a God so high and a God so holy and a God so majestic and a God so present. And there is no one that can compare to you in all the heavens and in all the earth. You are the God that comes in When you intersect our story, you change us like Robert. And Father, we stand here as a people that have benefited from your grace, a spiritual blessing, and benefited from your goodness, though we did nothing to deserve it. And we stand in awe of you. And we ask that these, these simple truths that we've reflected on in this prayer May we take them, and Father, may we pray them over our lives. Hmm. May we pray them over our, our friends' lives, or our spouses' lives, or 
our children's lives. And may we prioritize our lives to know you, to know you more intimately. No games. To be flooded with, with light in the, our inner person, to be enlightened, enlightened. To experience you and to experience your power and to constantly be asking you, asking you to do this in our lives. Father, I pray that you would do what only you could do in us and through us. May you press these truths more deeply upon our hearts. And we know that by your spirit, you're ready to work within us because you are present here now, this very day. In Jesus' name, amen.